Welcome to Hannah's Heart. So Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. No matter who we are, we can be inspired by the fact that Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. So when she was praying at the temple, she had been weeping and not eating and her lips were moving, but her eyes were closed and the priest was like, why are you drunk at the temple? Because yeah. it can become an obsession when you want Wanting a child so deeply. And desiring that baby and to be a mama. Every holiday, every Mother's Day. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome. But this is a show that says, however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hi, I'm Kendra. And I'm Anne, and thank you so much for joining us today on Hannah's Heart. We're excited to be here and excited for you to be listening. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And now we're still pretty new to the AFA streaming platform. And so you can find us there if you would like. And then we have actually been getting a good bit of emails since last week. Um, We had been getting emails, but a lot since the IVF Roe v. Wade stuff. We've gotten a few more um, at Hannah's Heart at AFA.net. You can email us there. We get some good show suggestions and then some prayer requests too. So y'all keep those coming. Well, today we are joined in studio by an exceptionally special (laughs) guest um, that I happen to be very fond of. She wants you to buy her dinner tonight. (laughs) (laughs) My father, aka daddy, aka pops, aka dad, but he also um, is very well equipped to speak on today's topic, which Mm -hmm. is we're going to be talking about special needs adoption. So we talk Mm -hmm. about adoption a lot on this show as an option for some couples who struggle with infertility. Um, But often when you're looking at adoption, you're talking about adopting a baby or, you know, um, a younger child. And um, often the thing that doesn't come into your mind is um, what if that child has special needs, physical or emotional and all of it. So anyways, here to talk about that is my dad, who is a, let me see if I get this right, dad, licensed clinical social worker, for over 35 years. Wow. So. You sound so official. Right? You did social work um, for placing children in families as well as our family has um, adoption as part of our story. I have three adopted brothers and a biological brother. Um, so we're going to jump in on all of that. Dad, would you give us the quick, like, how you met mom and how all these chillins came to be? Sure. Uh well, your mom and I met um, actually at a children's home um, in Versailles, Kentucky. Uh, we were both working there, although different units um, at the time. And we met and uh, fell in love and uh, got married uh, actually six months after we first met. Wow. Uh, and, you knew uh, what you wanted, right? We, I did. I did. I, I saw it right away. So... Uh, we uh, became foster parents um, shortly thereafter, and we were uh, placed with uh, two children, two young boys. And uh, after a couple months, I believe it was about six, eight months or so, uh, the parental rights uh, of those boys, of their mother, their father had already, their biological father had already been deceased, and uh, her parental rights had been terminated. Mm-hmm. So the boys were already calling us mom and dad. We were soccer coaches, scout leaders, um, you know, helping them with schoolwork, doing everything that normal parents would. And there was no way that we could not 
adopt mm-hmm. him at that point. It was just something that was very expected uh, within our own hearts. Uh, they were seven and eight years old when uh, they first were uh, placed with us, and they were both special needs because of gross uh, neglect and abuse mm-hmm. in, in their situations uh, and some failure to thrive issues. So um, after that, we had our first um, biological child, our son, uh, who is now a pastor in uh, Texas. And then uh, I was working with adopted parents. I was working with uh, uh, placing children. Uh, I was working with foster care, approving homes for adoption. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the children that were placed in one of my adoptive homes uh, it was actually placed there before I started working with that family. That adoption uh, became what's known as disrupted, which meant the child uh, was no longer, uh, the parents, the adoptive parents no longer felt that the child was appropriate for their placement for, for various reasons. And um, interestingly enough, there was something called a SNAP book way back then, which is Special Needs Adoption Project book, where all of their, it used to be an actual book. Now it's all, of course, on online. But uh, at that time, uh, back in the 90s, uh, it was a book. And my wife had looked through that and they said, if this boy, if this boy right here ever becomes open for adoption, I, I think we ought to consider him. Wow. And lo and behold, that was the child. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was, uh, uh, the adoption had disrupted. And so it was a, a pretty rare thing at that point for the actual, the, the, the social worker, uh, to step out of that role uh-huh. and to step into the potential adoptive father role. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did adopt um, that boy as well. And then uh, shortly after that, um, our daughter Kendra was born. So we have four boys and one girl, and we did that in the first five years of our marriage. Five kids in five years. Which no. I do not recommend. Oh, my goodness. And when you reached perfection with your last child was when you decided. <laughs> we'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So sure. Let me back up, too, and mention, um, due to just protecting my family's privacy, we're not going to mention names of um, any of my brothers specifically um, as um, we're sharing a little bit of their background and their story. Um, but we have a lot to learn from you today. So let's talk about, first of all, special needs. What qualifies as a special needs adoption? Sure. Well, every state has different qualifications for what they consider to be special needs. In general, there are five basic areas that would consider uh, uh, special needs. The first is any physical issues, physical problems that a child may have. A lot of people want a healthy um, infant, but what happens if that healthy infant is a failure to thrive child, or if that healthy child uh, has autism, or juvenile diabetes, or is on a feeding machine, or is on a wheelchair, uh, or in the case of one of our sons, uh, was a burn victim. Uh, Mm. One of our boys um, had experienced uh, third-degree burns over 55% of his body at age three. His little private parts were totally burned off, and uh, he had, we lost the number of, of, of count of the number of surgeries that he had had, uh, uh, skin grafts and surgeries to res- try to restore him. Uh, and he still has problems. He's in his 40s now. In fact, all three of my boys, the adopted children, are all in their 40s now. And uh, 
uh, we were seeing, seeing him recently, and he was talking to us about one of the staples that had been put mm-hmm. in while he was uh, a, a young child to staple the skin in, uh, which is now working its way back out. And let me oh, just man. interrupt for one second, because a little infertility side note, he was told that he would never have children, he, but... He was. He was told that he would God, not. Hello, God. He has oh, wow. children. <laughs> he had, That's he awesome. Had, he had two biological children and three uh, 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 stepchildren. Wow. And uh, uh, they're all our... our grandchildren and love them dearly yeah and uh, so physical issues is probably the, the one of the first things that people would look at as far as the diagnosis or far as a, uh, a qualification to be labeled uh, special needs adoption a uh, second would be anything along the mental health or mental retardation uh, line uh, uh, intellectual dis- uh, disabilities development mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these children are trauma victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have had physical abuse, sexual abuse, uh, gross emotional abuse, uh, neglect like you you cannot imagine. So there's a lot of attachment issues. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of depression and anxiety issues, especially. Uh, most Most of these children need to be or should be in counseling in some form or another. Uh, to give you an idea of some of the uh, behavioral issues that I'm talking about, uh, well, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but uh, uh, so there's a lot of uh, uh, failure to thrive, a lot of failure to not reach uh, goals, uh, particularly for their age. Um, even if they're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, they're not meeting those goals. They're grossly behind in school and academics. Uh, the third area is emotional and behavioral issues. Uh these are issues, again, that go back to the abuse that they had, uh, the trauma that they experienced. Uh, to give you some examples of some of the behavioral issues, uh, lying, stealing, mm-hmm. fights, fire starting, running away, sexual perversion, hoarding food, uh, failing in school. And those were just the ones that we actually experienced yeah. uh, with, with our boys. Uh, we were fortunate that we didn't have any drug or alcohol uh, abuse at, at that point with the, with the boys, but that would be another uh, behavioral issue. Uh, I think an important thing to remember with these children are these are not your you know children that have been raised in a normal um, Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've missed those early developmental years. Uh, that Doesn't Dr. Dobson say something about like within the first three years of first, a child's life. First three years are the most kind of critical as far as uh, meeting those uh, that emotional attachment yeah. and all of that. And because they have had such uh, trauma in their lives because of their abuse or neglect or whatever it is, um, these children have uh, an increased uh, levels of. A stress hormone, which is called cortisol, uh, and that affects the negative uh, part of their brain structure, which in turn, among other things, affects their brain regions that involve effective emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. They're not able to uh, uh, love in the same way. Um, give you an example, another one of our boys um, at age um, seven, uh, his biological mother um, literally packed a l- little suitcase for him and told him, I don't love you anymore. And she put him on the streets of a, a major city in, in Kentucky. And he was found uh, wandering the streets in front of a bar in a pretty seedy part of that city um, by the police. And uh, 
they went back to her her home and removed the other um, three boys that were there at that time uh, too, and placed them all into care. So it's not uncommon for for that type of thing to happen. Uh, uh, another one of my sons had. Uh, we believe around 20 different bo- broken bones mm. uh, before he was age three mm. uh, by his mother's birth mother's uh, boyfriend who knew that that child was not his and didn't want him um, in the home. Uh, so all of these things affect these children tremendously because they come out feeling I'm not wanted, I'm not loved, I'm not needed. This is, I don't have a part in my life uh, one of our boys, um, uh, we gave him an allowance for the very first time after about a couple weeks he had been with us, and we sat the boys down and explained that, you know, this is time for you to get your allowance because you did your chores, you made your bed, you did whatever little things we had for them to do around the house. And um, he looked at my wife and said, I-, I can't get an allowance. I'm a bad boy. I'm not a good kid. I don't deserve an allowance. Mm. And it's that type of self-defeated self-worth, lack of self-worth that these children have that affect them on and on and on in their their lives. What I, I, I being a foster mom, uh, you don't realize that these things happen around the corner. Mm-hmm. You know, we think that this happens True. in the bad part of town or in big cities. It doesn't happen in our little southern cities, you know, but it is every single day. Our The first kiddos um, we had in our home, uh, their mom set their house on fire and locked them in, mm. in their room. And, uh, yeah, that when they came, they smelt like ash and they needed baths. And it just... Uh, it really broke me to know that this, I mean, it wasn't far from my house at all. It was a few blocks away. And so, um, yeah, it just, I'm picturing these things that you're saying, and it just breaks my heart because. Two of our boys, the first night that we had them, um, my wife gave them a, a, a toothbrush and said, it's time to brush your teeth. And they both looked at it, and they were seven and eight years old at the time, and said, what is this? Mm-hmm. We don't know what, what to do with them. They didn't know basic, basic hygiene, how to wipe themselves after they've had a bowel movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would hoard food because they, in their biological home, they didn't know where that they would have food for the next yeah. meal. So we would find um, hot dogs and potato chips and anything that we you know had served under pillows or under the couch or yep. uh, different yep. places like that That uh, uh, because they were hoarding it because they didn't think they were going to have food the next day. Yeah. Um, Did you hit all of the categories of what is special needs? <coughs> no, I've still got two more. Two more. Uh, I've gone over physical issues, mental health, mental retardation issues, emotional and behavioral. The next would be sibling groups. Mm-hmm. Um, these would be groups of, of more than two or three children uh, that would be placed together because they have an emotional attachment. Right. They've gone through this trauma uh, so together. So the special need is because it's hard to place a family of so many children. Correct, correct. Uh, we, we've had as many in, in Kentucky, I know we've had as many as 10 and 12 children that have, have been tried to be placed together. Wow. That's not always possible uh, because uh, how do you find a, a home mm-hmm. that's going to take 10 children or 8 children or whatever? Uh, but usually they try to keep the children together, mm-hmm. uh, and that's 
uh, much more difficult for parents to accept if you've got a, oh, yeah, a really cute little uh, um, mm-hmm. six-month-old and, and a beautiful little three-year-old, but he's also got an eight-year-old brother and a 10-year-old sister, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so it's 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 more difficult to place groups like that, but we try to, again to keep them together as much as possible because of the emotional attachment. Right. They're the only ones that have they have that attachment to, and right. so we want to keep that going as much as possible. Lastly, would be um, fifth category would be an age of the child. Uh, it's everybody wants to adopt a a, a newborn uh, baby or two year old or three year old, even a four year old. Who wants to adopt a 15-year-old? Yeah. Who wants to adopt a 17-year-old boy who is running away, who um, has used drugs in the past, who is is three years behind in school? Mm -hmm. Um, Those kids are very difficult to place. I was looking recently through the special needs adoption spreadsheets online in Kentucky, and I was amazed at probably 80% of the children that are in that special needs category are teenagers Mm. um, because they just are that difficult to place. Mm. Now, keep in mind that all these categories that I've just talked about, it doesn't mean necessarily that just one category applies to each child. Usually there are multiple yeah. categories because you've got a, uh, a 15-year-old that has a, uh, you know, two siblings and who is acting out and one of the siblings is delayed in, in their uh, uh, development or they have autism. Uh, one of our, our boys has, is, is autistic. Uh, and so, you know, there, there's a lot of overlap in all these categories, but generally they're hard to place because they're labeled special needs. Mm. Now, in saying that, I I don't want to just kind of describe here, oh my gosh, nobody's going to take these kids. We're not trying to scare anybody here. (laughs) I don't want to scare anybody out of this or anything, but you have to go in with your eyes wide open. These are not children that are easy to place, and they're not going to necessarily be easy on your family. They're going to be difficult on your family. They're going to, uh, my wife and I probably had the most arguments that we ever had in our marriage over different issues with with the boys. Well, when you went from having just gotten married to having five children within five years, um, you were learning how to be parents together in the midst of... A also lot of foster fe- care. Yeah, a lot of- foster care brings a whole nother realm of parenting to me because you're literally parenting someone else's child. You are, and 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 the other thing that's kind of important to remember is the ge- uh, genealogical issues of it. Yeah, these children uh, have different gene sets than you and your your spouse do. And a lot of people, uh, especially when they're adopting infants or very young children, oh, I don't want anybody else to know. I want them to all think they're my own children oh, or, or uh, I want them to look like us or anything like that. You know, uh, that's not going to be possible when you adopt a 10-year-old, mm-hmm. right. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of times uh, people out in the world uh, don't understand uh, special needs adoption. A story my wife reminded me of of today was that uh, uh, one of our boys was having some uh, some behavioral problems at school, and one of the uh, other parents came up to her. I'm sure trying to be very loving and and accepting and all. It says, "Well, have you just are you just loving him enough?" And, <laughs> and, Why don't you, know, you try that? <laughs> oh, gee, we didn't think about that. You know. And a lot of times, just the love 
it's not enough. Right, right. And I know that sounds very harsh in Obviously, today's Obviously, that's world. huge and important. Right. But it is. It's it's uh, belittling to say that to a parent who is pouring out and is um, exhausted at the end of every day. Yeah. Exactly. That's what, so when we had a little guy that lived with us for a while and he, his behavior was something I'd never experienced before just of throwing fits and he pulled me down on the ground by my hair one time and he would spit and all these things I had just never really been around besides children with autism and things like that I had worked at the autism center and I'd experienced there but nothing like against me personally I guess as I took it his behavior and I was telling a friend about it. I was crying and I was upset because I didn't know how to handle it. I'm at home by myself in the mornings because Will goes to work so early. And she was just like, she she said, you just need to love on him. Like, are you (laughs) hugging him like you need? I mean, like, Like a hug's I think she was saying that in a nice way that I remember being like, Yes, I, I mean, like maybe I could give him another hug or two, but sometimes he bites me. Like I don't, know, you know. I, I doubt seriously that there was any way we could have loved our boys, the three older adopted boys, any more than than we did. We were also so involved in their lives. Yeah, yeah. we had, um, you know, uh, again, I, I'm a, a master's level social worker, a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I'd worked in in. Uh, uh, adoption and foster care, uh, in counseling for, for years and years. Uh, my wife has a degree in teaching. She'd worked at a runaway shelter. She had uh, uh, worked in a, in a inpatient behavioral uh, unit for emotionally disturbed children. Wow. We had so much experience mm-hmm. and gave so much love. They were involved in our church, in youth group, in Bible quiz, in Sunday school. We prayed together regularly. We read the Bible with them. Um, together regularly. We did all of the right stuff, uh, but yet these issues, you know, mm-hmm. consisted right. or, yeah. or persisted and, and uh, it didn't always just, just stop. So we're going to have to have a part two of this episode <laughs> because there's so much to unpack here about how all of these special needs affect families. And I'd like for you to give some tips um, to couples on how to keep their marriage together. But before we get into all that on another episode, um, we've talked a lot about the special needs, but talk about the special calling and the power that the Holy Spirit gives to people that are called to this and maybe something that you and mom learned. Um, and then also where um, all of our uh, adopted family members are, you know, are they doing well now? Well, I don't think it was ever a point in our lives where uh, my wife and I didn't consider something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that we were called to adopt children. Uh, we knew that we were cha- called to adopt special children. And uh, that probably was a, a, a very much a nudging from the Holy Spirit, although at the time I'm not sure we actually realized that, mm-hmm. but but it certainly was. Um and the other thing is, that, uh, as we end this segment, I don't want to scare people off mm-hmm. by any means. I want to give them a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, our boys are all in their 40s now. I'm, I'm 65. My wife is 66. And uh, our boys are all in their 40s, and we're all very close to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're called mom and dad. Uh, they bring us their children, their, our grandchildren, mm-hmm. uh, that we love just as much as you know your little daughter, Kendra. Um, they're our grandchildren. And uh, so that bond did occur. Yeah. Um, I, I remember once I was talking to to one of my boys whose um, mother was still living. Uh, she lived in another town 
uh, probably 30, 45 minutes away from us, and she would be very easy to locate. And I asked him, I said, do you want me to help you uh, locate her in any way? And he looked at me with this kind of incredulous look and said, no, why would I do that? Mm. You know, she gave me up. She didn't want me. Mm. You're my dad. You're my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one of one of our sons, uh, I asked him uh, last year when he came to visit, he lives out of state, when he and his wife came to visit, and I, I said, uh, I'm just curious, what do you call your biological parents? I mean, I know you call me dad and this is mom. Uh, what do you call your biological parents? And he said, I call them by their first names. Wow. Um, they're not mom and dad. You're mom, you're dad, mm-hmm. you're mom. Uh, so I don't consider them my parents. Um, you guys are. And uh, when you reach that level of of love and attention, you know that you're doing something right. And, and right. again, I don't mean to say that, that we were perfect parents far, far, far from it. Uh, we made mistakes, a lot of mistakes. But the end result is greatly worth it because you're walking in the Spirit and you're leaning on the Lord and uh, mm-hmm. the children. Uh, I know our children, our boys, are better off because they lived with us. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. They had more experiences and more um, options for growth and, and to know the Lord um, than they ever would have in any other situation. Well, what a reward for y'all, you know, for saying yes when you felt the call to do so. You know, we well, would have not had those family members that you do now. And all those awesome grandbabies. And all those grandbabies. <laughs> well, we're going to have to continue this conversation in part two next week. So y'all stay tuned. We're going to dig even deeper. But, um, and would you just pray for um, anyone who's considering fostering a special needs child? Yes, Father, I come to you right now just to thank you for this conversation, Lord. I pray for the people who are listening that could be considering doing foster care. God, God, keep urging them. Send them some encouragement. Help this episode to encourage them to jump in on the fun. It's hard, but it's so rewarding and it's what you've called us to do. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, Dad, thank you so much for coming on Hannah's Heart, and we will see you next week as well.